I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. And today on the podcast, we are continuing a series of interviews connected to the Great Resignation, a unique time in our nation's history when millions of people are quitting their jobs. I'm interviewing those who have left and been part of that great resignation, exploring the whys, hows, and what fors. And I'm also interviewing those who have chosen to stay and looking at what their reasons are. Now, my hunch is that a driving factor of what's behind the great resignation is that the pandemic has prompted people to take a closer look at their work and whether that work has meaning for them, both personal meaning and professional meaning. Today on the podcast, I am pleased, I am in fact thrilled to interview Julie Westerland. Julie is someone that I have known professionally for close to a decade, and I have been looking forward to interviewing her about this topic for a couple of weeks now. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Janelle. I'm really pleased to be here. Excellent. So why don't you give our listeners just a quick snapshot of the work that you do? Okay, so I work for the Board of Water and Soil Resources, and I am a program coordinator, which means that I support our staff that are distributed across the state in carrying out a program that has to do with working with local governments around water planning and looking at watershed management. So things that we can do to keep the land healthy so that the water stays clean. And Local governments play a really important role in that. Soil and water conservation districts, watershed districts, counties are the main groups that we work with. And we bring them together to write action plans based on the priorities that they have identified locally. All right. So you are basically a scientist who knows a lot about water and works closely with communities to make sure that there is healthy and safe water throughout the state of Minnesota and the local communities. Is that right? Thank you for writing my elevator speech for me. That's excellent. (laughs) All right. Well, perfect. So, you know, I imagine as a scientist, then you've probably got some rational thinking and processes around your career planning framework and when you change jobs and so on. My hunch is just that maybe you approach all this in a scientific manner. And, you know, if not, that's okay too. But I'm curious to know, um, you know, and maybe tell us a little bit about where you're at in terms of kind of the quick timeline of your current role. And then my next question is going to be uh, whether or not you've been tempted at all by this great resignation that we are in the midst of. Start with the timeline first. Yeah. So it's so funny that you should be um, interviewing me right now at this point in my career because I actually I just celebrated my fifth year anniversary in my current job. Congratulations. And when I took my job, thank you very much. When I took my job, I told um, the boss who hired me that I probably would plan on sticking around for about three to five years. 
And my goal within five years was to actually have our program up and running to the point where the folks that are really working with our local partners um, across the state of Minnesota don't need so much help from a, a centralized program coordinator anymore. And the program basically runs itself. And lo and behold, we're kind of actually starting to get to that point. And I'm starting to look around and wonder what's next for me. So I've actually kind of encountered a crossroads at my of my career right now. And I also will say that um, I tend to get a little bit of a five-year itch with my jobs. I, if you look back at my career trajectory, it's been about five years at a spot. And then I tend to um, want to learn something new and do something different. So okay. that's kind of where I'm at right now. All right. So you were hoping to work yourself out of a job in three to five years. And here we are at five years and you're at that crossroads. So has, do you think any of this has, has anything to do with the great resignation or do you think your um, crossroads is just a more of a natural occurrence between your career rhythms and the particular role and the objectives you set out for yourself? Yeah, I would say it's definitely the latter. Um, that, you know, this has, this is sort of the course that my career or, and this particular job has been on for quite some time. So I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, looking around going, oh, everybody's, everybody's moving around and I need to as well. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Well, so now, I mean, everybody, well, not everybody, but 11 and a half million people have been moving around since April. And, um, and even more, if we trace it back to, uh, the six months before that, Um, so the fact that you haven't been tempted to leave as a result of the great resignation and as a result of, uh, what's been happening in the pandemic is, is of interest to me. And in fact, that's one Mm -hmm. of the reasons I invited you on the podcast. It's sort of a strange coincidence that you're reaching this particular crossroads now. But so as we look back over the last, let's say year and a half, um, what are some of the factors that, that influenced your decision to stay the course in your role? Like why? Why not, why not jump on the great resignation bandwagon? What, what about your role and what you're doing is keeping you there or has kept you there up until now? Well, I would say it's a combination of my own sort of personality and then the job that I have. And so the personality part is part, um, I I guess I'm going to say I, I like having some sense of stability and security. And so, um, you know, want to make sure that the next thing that I move to makes sense for me. And so, you know, have done actually quite a bit of soul searching around that and frankly have applied for a couple of jobs that um, I didn't get. And that's that's okay because I do like what I do right now. So I have a great set of colleagues and I have that stability that I, you know, really appreciate in my job. And I think that right now feels like quite a bit of upheaval in our lives and the idea that I can remain where I am and kind of have that sense that I know that I'm going to have a job here and that I can go to work and do what I do. And it's, quite frankly, relatively low stress. I mean, we have stressful moments that are associated with deadlines or challenging problems to solve, but there's not a lot of anxiety associated with that in terms of, you know, um, is my future secure? So that sense of security and stability has actually been pretty important for me. 
interesting too, that you also note that all of all the chaos and uncertainty that the pandemic foisted upon us, mm-hmm. sounds like you found some comfort in having uh, a job that was, you know, steady and um, met your expectations and wasn't uh, also throwing your, your life into total chaos right. from, the, from, from the professional side. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Uh, let me ask you about my hunch regarding meaningful work. And of course, meaningful work can look different ways to different people. Um, some might want the flexibility to blend their work and their family life, and others might feel strongly called to do a certain type of work or work for a certain organization. And still others might have personal values that they want to align with the specific work that they're doing. So I want to cast the idea of meaningful work very, very broadly. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, do you think that idea of meaningful work is a driving force, first of all, in the great resignation, because people have been at this interesting inflection point where their work and their family and really their values have kind of been really right up at the end of their nose. So mm-hmm. do you think that maybe there's a there there? Do you think that the, this pandemic and people being at this inflection point maybe has something to do with it? Well, and I'll be perfectly honest, Janelle, I really have not encountered a lot of people that have participated in that great resignation outside of a lot of folks retiring, um, where, you know, it's sort of made sense that they would have retired anyway. Um, You know, folks have gotten to that age. Perhaps there are some people that maybe would have stayed in their jobs for a little bit longer, but um, the main group of people that I've been experiencing sort of moving into retirement, um, we're planning that anyway. So I, I really haven't seen in my work world, a lot of folks, or even in my personal life, quite honestly, a lot of folks that are shifting jobs and, you know, really participating in that great resignation right now. So, um, you know, I, I could hunch along with you (laughs) and, you know, based on what I'm, what I'm reading in the news, I think, you know, people are, are experiencing some burnout in those other careers that, you know, are really up close and center with um, the pandemic, especially, and, you know, those service kind of careers where folks are actually at risk health-wise because of their jobs. You know, I can see the um, desire to want to get out of those roles, but I haven't seen a lot of that of folks expressing that the pandemic has made them want to leave their jobs within my spheres at the state. So maybe that has something to do with the fact that we are in um, many of us in positions where we feel like we can carry out our values and we've got some good alignment there already. Yeah, because that's what I was going to say next is, in fact, this, your experience and what you just shared about others' experience in similar roles or that you've encountered in your professional life, it to me, that feels like it's a bit of a, it's confirming my hypothesis that people who are in roles that are meaningful to them and that, you know, they're finding meaning in their work would not necessarily want to jump ship and leave because that thing that I think is making some people reevaluate um, is just, is, is your experience and experiencing resonance between 
the work that you're doing. I mean, for goodness sakes, as a mm-hmm. scientist who's working towards better wa- water quality across our state, like how much more like values driven can you get in, <laughs> right. in terms of your right. career? I mean, you have mm-hmm. to really believe in what you're doing in order to, first of all, pursue the education that you have that even makes you qualified to do that work. And then, and yeah. then um, to, of course, experience a kind of, you know, a role that's very consistent with the values, the subject matter expertise that you have in all of that. To me, um, yeah, it's, to me, it feels like it's a confirmation of my hypothesis that people who are experiencing meaningful work and are already in alignment with their values aren't really tempted to, yeah. uh, you know, by this great resignation phenomenon. I, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, I am fortunate to be in a career where the vast majority of my colleagues are doing similar work that's really um dedicated toward environmental protection and, um, you know, making our planet a a healthy place for us to live. And that is definitely a values-driven role. And so I think that you're right. There there are a lot of folks that are not sort of dissatisfied with their work in general and, you know, looking around saying, where can I better align my values? Because, and, and, you know, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I've ask that question of myself on days where my work seems more mundane and into the minutiae. And I have to bring myself up a level and remind myself that, you know, any job that you have is going to have those kinds of tasks associated with it, where you feel like maybe you're not making such a big difference. And you have to remind yourself every once in a while that, you know, okay, if you stepped out of this career and we're trying to find a job that aligned with your values, you would probably very much want this job that you have right now because that would be exactly the kind of thing that you're looking for. So I have to kind of bring myself back every once in a while to the good fortune that I have to be in a role where I really do get to carry out my values on a regular basis. Well, and I think that's such sage advice. I mean, the fact that you go through that line of inquiry once in a while, even when you are absolutely committed to the work that you're doing and it's in alignment with you know, your values, your education, your concern for the broader environment and all of that. Um, I just think it's so interesting that even then with all Mm -hmm. of that alignment and commitment, you still once in a while bump up against like, oh, really? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And what does it look like when you go through that process? How do you, you if you were to give some advice to somebody else who was in a role where they knew in their heart of hearts that that commitment and alignment was there, but then they were just bumping up against like the why bother or whatever it is that it shows up for mm-hmm. you or, or them as, what advice would you give them or how would you uh, help them navigate that? Well, here's how I do it is, is I, I imagine myself jobless <laughs> and I imagine myself looking for a job that would align with my values and where I'd be able to put my skill set to work in a place that, um, you know, I could, I could carry those values out. And so then I start kind of looking through what I know is out there in terms of jobs. And I come back pretty quickly to, I, I know what all of those jobs are about. And each of them has the same amount of sort of task-driven minutia and drudgery that, <laughs> that my job has on it on a day-to-day basis, but that is working towards this bigger picture goal 
uh, you know, if you step out of it and, and take a look at a higher level. And so I think that's the part that we have to remind ourselves that we're part of a bigger picture and that each of the tasks that we do are contributing toward a larger goal. And so I think that's that's the really difficult piece some days to see is that your work really is important, um, even if it doesn't feel like sending an email or setting up a meeting is, you know, achieving this big goal. It's setting things up so that that we can together accomplish that bigger goal. That is such a great process. So just to distill, just to repeat to our listeners and kind of distill this process. And, and I also want to add that um, in case people haven't figured this out who are listening to this podcast, you're a mid-career professional. So you've been at this for yes. a while. I mean, retirement yes. still looms a decade or two away for you, I would imagine. But so you are a solid mid-career professional. And I think that's worth noting too, especially as maybe somebody younger who is in a role where they're feeling that generally everything is aligned in terms of their values or subject matter expertise and so on. But when they get trapped down in the minutia, they can use, I'm going to just call it the Julie process. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the, the Julie process of aligning, value, of aligning one's values to work is that you just so you first off pretend that you don't have a job right now. And, okay. and then you think about, you kind of do a quick inventory of what are all the kinds of roles that are out there in my field and what organizations would they be, you know, would I be working for if I were in any one of those roles? And you sort of imagine yourself in those various roles and kind of asking the question, would I be any better off there than I am here? Right. And yeah, and it, it sounds like this is a really good litmus test for you because then you're able to discern that, yeah, there's all that minutia in any job and you're going to bump up against things you either don't like doing or don't feel immediate value from in any role. And then that does a, a nice job of steering you back towards where you are right now. I think that's a great encapsulation. And the other thing that I would add to that is I, I think about those other roles. And, you know, even when I'm looking for a job, which I'm kind of actively doing in the background a lot of the time. Um, or maybe not so actively, but I'll, I'll consider a job and think about whether I'm going to be able to put my skill sets to work in that role. So is it a job that gives me the opportunity to get up on a stage and do some public speaking? Is it a job that allows me to do some strategic thinking? Is it a job that allows me to help coach and inspire um, and guide my colleagues in you know, looking at this mission that we're trying to accomplish? So those are all things that I will always use as kind of evaluating whether a, another job is right for me and whether the grass is greener on the other side of the fence or not, because often it might seem that it is, but I think the reality is that it, that it isn't. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. 
it doesn't surprise me that you have this list of heuristics or guidelines that you're going to compare against because as a scientist, you're going to be, uh, my hunch is that you're making logical decisions. And so you've got some concrete <laughs> criteria of things that are important to you in terms of how you operationalize your role. And right. so it, it needs to have these, let's say five things or seven things or whatever, or, you know, in some fashion or other. And so that in addition to thinking through those other roles that might be out there, you're evaluating them against a set of criteria that's important to you personally, not just in terms of your discipline or your subject matter expertise. Right. Yeah. Right. And I would say the other kind of crossroads that I'm at is the non-managerial, non-supervisory world versus the managerial supervisory world. And I've kind of reached, um, you know, org chart wise in my organization, kind of the top of that non-managerial. If I want to move up higher in the organization, I've got to step into a supervisory or managerial role, which that work looks a lot different, but I feel, frankly, some pressure to go there because I see all of my colleagues moving into those kinds of roles and my peers who I've kind of grown up with in my career are all doing uh, those managerial roles. And I, I feel a little bit left behind, quite honestly, in that. And um, I don't think it's because I'm not capable. I think it's just because the right match has not come up for me, um, at least recently. So I think that um, that's that's kind of another thing that's on my mind a lot is, you know, is that the right path for me? And if it isn't, then where do I go next? Mm-hmm. So that's part of the exploration. You know, if I think about those skill sets, I think many of them could be used in, you know, those those sort of next level roles. But I also am, am bumping up a little bit against um, finding that the managerial roles require supervisory experience. And I don't have a lot of that and in order to be a supervisor. I might actually have to take a step down in terms of pay mm. to um, get that experience. So I'm in this kind of funky spot in the org chart at the state right now. Well, and that's, I, I think that's an interesting place that many technical professionals as well as science professionals find themselves in because when you reach the pinnacle of where you can contribute as an individual contributor and bring all of your scientific knowledge to the table or your technical knowledge to the table, let's say if you're a software developer or something like that, you sort of reach Mm -hmm. that point. And sometimes then, like you said, to move over into that management role requires a different skill set, And so you need to go take some other, um, a slightly more circuitous path to get over to right. that, to get over to that skill set. One of the things too, and I don't know, I don't, you have enough humility from what I know of you that this wouldn't be a problem for you. But <laughs> well, sometimes crazy. the person who is in your role where they've sort of reached the pinnacle of their technical or scientific skill set sometimes has trouble moving over into that management role because they're no longer the smartest person in the room anymore. Instead, they're mm-hmm. busy hiring and training and skilling up the smartest people in the room. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, I, well, I, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that because I've never thought I was the smartest person in the room. So I, I think I'd be just fine with, and, and actually I have to, I have to tell you, um, this is a little bit off topic, but I think it's relevant. I just Sunday or Saturday, just this weekend, um, participated in a memorial service for one of my beloved, um, colleagues, a, a, a person that hired me at the DNR passed away actually 
a, almost a year and a half ago, right when COVID started. And so um, they held off on having his memorial service, but I was asked to speak there. And it was, a, it was really a lovely opportunity. But one of the things that I said about him, and because and I, I talked about mentorship, and I talked about how he was such a good mentor to me and so many other people. And his philosophy of being a good mentor and manager was to hire good people and set them forth in the world and send them off with, you know, the tools to do their job, but to, you know, really empower them in a way that allowed their expertise to grow and flourish. And he sort of sat in the background and, and watched that um, unfurling of, of expertise with the people that he had hired. And he quietly sat and mentored them and, and rarely took credit for the good work that was happening out there. But um, it was just really, really fun to be able to express that to um, all of the people gathered there to honor him. And there was a lot of head nodding happening that, yeah, that's exactly what he did and why he was such a good um, scientist and boss. Oh, and there's such, I mean, I'm, I'm so, I'm sorry for your loss of somebody who is so yeah. important in, in yeah. your career, but what beautiful lessons to be able to take from it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. yeah. And I think this is great lessons for leaders, obviously within the science community, technology community, but even beyond is to, you know, hire the right people and then step back and watch them bloom, make sure they have the tools they need to do the job, get out of the way so that they can really really grow into their own professional identity and contribute in any way possible. Oh. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things I've been doing, regardless of what the fact that I don't have a job that involves direct supervision or managerial um, roles, I've been doing a lot of mentoring. So I've signed up to be a mentor in a couple of different like official mentorship programs, one at the high school and one at the at the state where we're doing a diversity initiative and um, mentoring college students. And I'm also a mentor for my son's scout troop. I've got an Eagle Scout mentor or mentee right now. And then just doing some other informal mentoring of um, folks that are graduate students and exploring career paths. And so I really enjoy that um, opportunity that I get through my job to be able to be a mentor for other people. Well, and it sounds also like a great way to continue to expand that skill set that will eventually, if you so choose, uh, go yeah. down a path of managing the work of others. When yeah. because that mentoring and coaching is such an important part of that. Yeah. Now, let me ask you one last question about when you get to one of these inflection points, like you were talking about earlier, where you're wondering and you, you go through this process of comparing against other jobs and thinking about yeah. um, what you're do, what you're currently doing and how like the minutia is probably similar to, in any of those other roles. And you, and, mm -hmm. and it sounds like you discern through a process that, yep, where I'm at is the right place. Do you yeah. then let go for a bit of kind of looking over your shoulder to see if the grass is greener? Do you kind of double down to your on your commitment in your current role, at least for a time being, or are you mm -hmm. kind of still looking over one shoulder? Well, I think it depends. I mean, you know, honestly, um, and I said that I hadn't hadn't had the opportunity to move into a managerial role at least recently. I actually was offered a supervisory job um, about a year and a half ago. And turned it down because I thought I had more to do in the role I'm in right now. And there were a, just a couple of other circumstances associated with that particular role that um, I didn't think that I was going to learn enough new things and be challenged in a way that would 
um, really be fulfilling for me. So I kind of, I walked away from that and there are definitely, I mean, that was a long time ago and there are definitely moments where I kind of go, ah, that was really stupid. Like, why didn't you take that opportunity? That was, you know, exactly where you needed to be. Um, and so I, I do kind of soul search, you know, now and then, but, um, I also try really hard and, and I try to do this in my personal life as well to, um, have the grace and forgiveness of, you know, for myself and to say, look, you, you went through a really logical process to make that discernment at the time. And it was the right choice. It was a hard choice, but it was the right choice. And the past is the past and you can't really do anything about it. And so the most important thing is to be present where you are and to make the best of the moment that you're in. And, um, you know, yes, certainly think about what you want to do in the future or what might be right for you and and look around, but be committed to where you are at this moment. And the other piece of advice that I've, that I've heard, and you know, this Chanel that I've, I've spent some time kind of like searching for my passion, right. And trying to figure out, I took a whole year off and we could talk about that too, but, um, maybe that's a separate podcast. I don't know, but, um, hoping that, you know, just the perfect thing would come to me and that I would, you know, feel this exact alignment between what I do and and my personal values and goals. And there's always been a, a, frankly, a level of kind of dissatisfaction there, but the, the, cause I'm never quite sure if I'm in exactly the right spot. And so the thing that's been the most helpful to me, the best piece of advice is rather than spend a bunch of time, you know, sort of searching for your passion be passionate about what you're doing. Find a way to to really be passionate and creative and using your skill sets in the work that you're doing at this moment because there's always an opportunity right there in front of you and you're going to squander that if you spend too much time, you know, sort of looking over your shoulder all the time. So that's another piece that I come back to a lot of saying there's a lot that you could be doing and, you know, and I am doing a lot, so I don't want to make it sound like I'm just sitting around not doing anything, but there's, you know, there's an opportunity in front of you. You just have to, you just have to take that on a daily basis. And, um, you know, you're lucky to have a job is the other thing I tell myself. There are a lot of people who, who don't, you're lucky to have this job that is really aligned with your values. And, um, there's plenty of outlets right here for you to be passionate. And so rather than, you know, always feel like you're missing something or that there's some other perfect job out there for you, um, do the one that's there in front of you and be present with it. Oh, beautiful. That's beautiful sentiment to, to wrap this up on. And you said just a moment earlier, you said, you know, commit to where you are in this moment because this moment is all you have. And, and I think that's, that's, those are sage words for anybody who might be thinking about a job change, but then decides not to for a variety of reasons that the world that they're in right now does meet their needs and is in whatever way, shape or form it may show up for them. It is meaningful work. And so Mm -hmm. just to really commit to where you are in this moment, because this moment is all you have. Oh, and I have to say, I have to say, Julie, this does your, your, uh, 
your reference to your career exploration and finding meaning in work and life and all of that does absolutely beg for round two, where we cover all things where Julie takes a year off and travels the United States in an RV (laughs) searching for meaning in life. (laughs) We are definitely coming back for round two. Awesome. I can't wait. Oh, thank you, Julie. It has been my absolute pleasure to sit down with you today and talk about your personal experience with not opting in to the great resignation and how you find value in your work and how you're choosing to navigate your career in these unprecedented times in ways that are absolutely aligned with your values. I appreciate it so much. Well, thank you, Janelle. And it's just so fun to connect with you and to talk about work. I always appreciate the opportunity and and you're just such a a great um, resource out there for many of us that are doing this kind of exploration. So I appreciate everything that you do. Oh, thank you. All right. Until we hit that round two, I bid you farewell. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.